So many of you know we're in pretty much wrapping up our series is trying to serve two masters. And one of the things I want to talk about to kick this off is that something that all of us know, there's certain things that go hand in hand, okay? And I have a feeling if I mention a word, you'll think automatically of what's connected to it. Um, so I'm going to test you a little bit with this. And not only you, but everyone that's watching through our live stream. Peanut butter and jelly. You'll see a picture in the back. Peanut, you'll go hand in hand. How many of you can't stand peanut butter and jelly? Yeah, everybody loves peanut butter and jelly. Jesus himself invented it. All right, ready? Cats. Let's see, cats and dogs. How many of you want these animals after service? We'll, we'll give them to you if you want. All right. We're not going to show you the pit. We're going to see if you could get it right. Then we'll show you the, the picture. Fish and chips. Fish and chips. Now I'm making you a little hungry while you're sitting there. Your stomach is growling. Cookies and... All right. You got, yeah. How many of you have gotten all of them right? You guys son inteligente aquí en la ciudad de Elizabeth. All right, ready? Salt and... And it's not the hip-hop group from back in the day, okay? Now, this one's going to be a big challenge. Guayaba and... I love guayaba con queso. Like, uh, Jesus brought some to my house, and he left a pack, and I was supposed to save some for Jen. Um, I didn't. I ate it all. Fire and, actually, fire and smoke. Fire and ice is also one that people mention a lot. I have two more for you. Thunder and, okay, you got that one, thunder and lightning. And this one's very important. And many of you have at least had one of them this morning. Café con... All right, how many of you have, have had like three cups already this morning? All right. At least I know hopefully you won't fall asleep while I'm teaching if you've had cafe con leche. So those are things that go hand in hand together. And, but one of the things that we do know that God and the love of money doesn't go hand in hand. Okay. But I'm going to highlight now something that's very important. We've been talking about generosity. And there's three things that go hand in hand with generosity that so many times we might overlook, we might not think about. And even now, before we even continue, I wonder what would you say if I ask you, don't respond, don't answer me back, you know, keep it in tu corazoncito. Are you a generous person? Are you generous? And I'm not just talking about money. I'm talking about your time. Are you generous with your time? Are you generous using your talents to bless other people? Are you generous with your money to bless other people as well? Are you, do people see you as a generous person? Or do people see you as someone that's always taking from others and not willing to give to anyone else? Some of us, in some way or another, I know we talk about being a hoarder in the physical sense, and some of us here might relate to that. You know, it's hard for you to throw out certain things. But some of us are hoarders when it comes to our talents. Our talents, we keep them to ourselves. When it comes to our time, when it comes to our money, 
And it's like we keep these things internally and in our lives, and we don't realize that we're not generous, and God wants us to be generous. So I'm going to tell you three things that go hand in hand with generosity. The first one is this, generosity and faith goes hand in hand. I'm going to read to you James chapter 2, starting at verse 14. It says this, Suppose a brother or a sister is without clothes and daily food. If one of you says to them, go in peace, keep warm and well fed. And maybe we could even add there like, you know, like God bless you. I'm going to pray for you type of thing. But nothing is done about their physical needs. What good is it? In the same way, faith by itself, if it's not accompanied by action, is dead. So right there you see that generosity and faith go hand in hand. If you have faith in God and you see needs, you know, it goes hand in hand to be generous. Because when you think about it, how many times do we respond to needs with simply wanting to pray for the person or simply let, letting them know it's, it's like, you know what, you're in my thoughts but we don't go beyond that because beyond that so many times requires sacrifice. All right, I'm going to tell you something else that go hand in hand. Generosity and joy go hand in hand. Hand in hand. So one of the things, we're going to read a passage from 2 Corinthians chapter 8, starting at verse 1. And here, the Apostle Paul is trying to do a collection for the church of Jerusalem and he's pretty much highlighting the northern part of Greece, highlighting them, okay, so that the people in the southern part of Greece would be able to understand what true generosity is. And we're going to pick it up at verse 1. And now, brothers and sisters, we want you to know about the grace that God has given the Macedonian churches, the northern part of Greece, in the midst of a very severe trial, think about this, very severe trial. Things weren't going good when it comes to them. Their overflowing joy and their extreme poverty. Now, it's even weird to read that. They have overflowing joy, but there's extreme poverty. When things are rough in your life, are you filled with joy? You know, when there's maybe extreme poverty in one way or another in your life, are you filled with joy? There's something really special happening here. Extreme, welled up in rich generosity, okay? So I'm just going to read verse 2 again. In the midst of a very severe trial, their overflowing joy and their extreme poverty welled up in rich generosity. So here, they're filled to, with joy to the overflowing. They're experiencing extreme poverty, but then at the same time, they're rich in their generosity. For I testify that they gave as much as they were able, even beyond their ability, entirely on their own. They urgently pleaded with us for the privilege they saw it as a privilege to be generous, of sharing in this service to the Lord's people. And they exceeded our expectations, and they gave themselves first of all to the Lord, and then by the will of God also to us. So here you see 
that pretty much how I mentioned, generosity and joy go hand in hand. When there's people that are truly generous, there's joy in their life because they also know the source that their generosity comes from. I, I, I could think of, when I think about this, of extreme poverty and overflowing joy and rich generosity, if I could think of something I've experienced in my life, I think quickly about when I was in Africa and Kenya. I remember as clear as day when I was in Kenya and Africa, Jen and I went over there to help build a school in Kenya. And while we were there, we really, we were with the community, with them, like in every aspect that you could ever imagine, just experiencing what they go through day in and day out. And I got to tell you, they have a lot of challenges and there's extreme poverty but I haven't found more joyful, filled people than when I was there with them in Kenya. And I just want to tell you how we, we were pretty much um, going and experiencing everything. I'm going to start off with a picture real quick here behind me. That's Jen carrying a, a container of water that weighs about like 50 to 80 pounds, about three miles to the house that we were going to. Every single day, they do that about five times a day, going to get clean water and carrying it about three miles to get to their house. So many times we might complain we have to stop at 7-Eleven to get our water or wherever we get them from. But here, the poverty is at a different level. Now the next picture, there, that's a house we went inside. And while we were there, the mama, that's pretty much all the women, the, the, we would call them mama, the mama of the house um, brought us inside the house and started giving us a little tour. And now I'm going to show you the next picture. There she was showing us, I know it's probably hard to see for some of us, they were showing us where they, were, they cook. And the next picture is going to probably be hard to see, but there's writing on the wall. And we're going to pause it there for a second. Actually, um, yeah, you could pause it there. Pretty much when we stepped into the house, the house was super small. It was, it was pretty much the size of a room, probably 12 by 12 or 10 by 10. We literally st um, stood in the middle, and she said, this is where I cook. This, where the wall is, there's writing where the kids did homework. You see the scratches on the wall where they write to do homework. This is where my kids do homework. This is where we sit down and relax. And then they turn around and, and pretty much like, this is where we sleep sometimes. And many, many times, we might not even realize it too, is that many of them, depending on where they live, and th this was the case in this situation, that at nighttime, a lot of times they sleep on the roof of the house because wild lions could come in the middle of the night and attack them. So this is pretty much not normal circumstances. And then the next picture there, that's the mama that we took the picture and spent the time with her. She was amazing, amazing. The joy that this woman had was unbelievable. God-fearing woman. Let me tell you, the experience I had, almost everyone in Kenya seemed like they loved Jesus. Like, it was unbelievable. And absolutely loved Jesus. And in the midst of her extreme poverty... 
Her generosity blew my mind. Pretty much every, any little bit that she had, she was offering it to us. Whatever she had. Like wanting to make our stay comfortable, our experience, uh, experience welcoming, but her joy and love for God abounded. And the next picture that's there, that's actually the pastor of the village there. And behind, that's the church where they meet. They love God, worship God with all their heart. Their church services are about at least three hours long. So none of you better be looking at your watches, okay? Don't be like, oye, este Carlo habla demasiado. <laughs> At least three hours long. And you think that they're anxious to go home? They just absolutely love, love worshiping God. And it's amazing, too, because so many times we might look at them and be like, you know, there's so many things they don't have. But I tell you this, they have things that we don't have many, uh, in many ways here in our country the sense of community, the sense of sacrifice, the sense of love, the sense of just willing to do anything we can to help one another. Their generous heart really was impactful for us to experience. The next um, thing that goes hand in hand is generosity and love. And what better way to highlight this than even to look at John chapter 3, verse 16. Because we all know this, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. We know that verse, but look what goes hand in hand right there. For God so loved the world that he gave. For God so loved the world that he gave. Imagine if we just read that, for God so loved the world and he never gave anything. How true would that love be in our eyes? Imagine your spouse, your wife, your husband, or your boyfriend or girlfriend, whoever's uh, the dynamic in your uh, relationship there. Imagine they tell you all the time that they love you, but they never give you of their time, their talents, their treasures, or anything. How would that relationship really work out? I don't think it will work out that long or that well. Because we know that generosity and love go hand in hand. How I mentioned before that we're in the middle of a, well, not in the middle, in the end of the series of trying to serve two masters. And the key verse, Matthew 6, 24, you could turn there. It says this, no one can serve two masters. Either you will hate the one and love the other, or you'll be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. Now, there's nothing wrong with having money. What there's a problem is, is with the love of money. Now, uh, there's a quote that's going to be behind me. It says, money creates a war in our hearts. Because it demands worship. It demands worship. Because the moment the love of money grabs your heart, all of a sudden money demands for you to worship it. And when, whether we look, think about it or not, right now this moment, 
You might be worshiping God and trying to worship money at the same time, but you can't have two masters. God wants you to only worship him, and he knows what money could do in our hearts. Because let me tell you something, the love of money could lead you in paths that you would never have thought that you would ever walk down. You would never have thought that you would walk down certain paths chasing after money, wanting more money in, in those aspects in your life. And little by little, you abandon Jesus from the place that he belongs within our hearts. Now, we're going to turn to Mark chapter 14. And here you're going to see two major hearts being displayed. And as I read this, I want you to picture yourself being there and even wondering how you would respond, how would you react, or who would you even be in the story. But in Mark chapter 14, starting verse 3, it says this. While he, Jesus, was in Bethany, reclining at the table in the home of Simon the leper, a woman came with an alabaster jar of very expensive perfume. And I have a jar there just symbolic so you could even think it in your mind. Now, here it says very expensive perfume. And later in the passage, you will see it was worth more than a year's salary. More than a year's salary. So I don't know how much money you make. But I want you to picture having perfume worth what you would make an entire year working. A hundred percent in the worth of that jar. And you might say to, um, to me, it's like, you know what, Carlos, that's some expensive perfume. I, you know, I have Old Spice. I don't spend too much money on perfume. You know, it's like, I don't know what perfume or cologne you might wear. But it's funny, too, for you to realize, I actually looked this up to try to even see. There's a perfume called Imperial Majesty Perfume. Now, let, let me tell you. Te va a dar un dolor de cabeza y corazón when I tell you this. It's going to give you a headache. This perfume costs $12,721.89 per ounce. Yes. You could buy it if you want. So, for you to think, it's like, man, that's weird that back then they would have perfume that's worth one year's worth of salary. It's not weird. We have it today, too. You know, people buy these perfumes and colognes. Now, just going back, we're just um, gonna. A woman came with an alabaster jar, a very expensive perfume made of pure nard. She broke the jar and poured the perfume on his head, on Jesus' head. Some of those present were saying indignantly to one another, Why this waste of perfume? Why are you wasting this perfume? pouring this on Jesus. And when I saw that and I read that, like pretty much in my mind, I just picture how many people have said that to me in my life. I haven't poured physical perfume over Jesus' head, but I've poured my talents, I've poured my treasures, I've poured my time, and people say, Carlos, don't you think you spend too much time following Jesus? I even remember the first time I sat with my accountant just doing my taxes. They were like, this is what you give to your church? It's like, are you sure you want to do that? Like, you know what I mean? Like, it's like everyone from the outside looking in 
sees it as a waste when you know in your heart you're pouring it out as worship. But I wonder if anyone here too could see themselves in this situation. Would you be the person that's pouring out pretty much everything that they have to worship Jesus? Or would you be the person that would be sitting on the side just criticizing and wondering why is this even being done? In verse 5, it says this. It could have, and this is what's crazy, is that they came up with like pr pretty much like a Christianese type of answer here, trying to make it sound pretty good. It could have been sold for more, more than a year's wages, and the money could have been given to the poor. You know, all of a sudden there, and they rebuked her harshly. And then all of a sudden, verse 6, Jesus spoke and defended her. Leave her alone. Why are you bothering her? She has done a beautiful thing to me. The poor you will always have with you, and you can help them anytime you want, but you will not always have me. She did what she could. She poured perfume on, on my body beforehand to prepare for my burial. Truly, I tell you, wherever the gospel is preached throughout the world, what she has done will also be told in memory of her. So here you have Jesus pretty much letting everyone know, it's like, hey, she is worshiping me with all of her heart, mind, and soul, with everything that she has. And pretty much that she will always be remembered because of what she did. So her legacy is being a true worshiper of God, pouring out everything upon him. And I wonder what our legacy is. I wonder if our legacy could be parallel to this woman that literally we pour out everything that we are and everything when it comes to our treasures, our talents, our time. Our life is poured out wanting to worship God. And you know what? This woman didn't care what anybody said. This woman knew that the moment she stepped in there and doing that, people were going to talk. This woman didn't worry about the time. She didn't worry about the agenda. She didn't worry about other things she had to do. She just knew Jesus was before her, and he is worthy to be worshipped and to surrender everything to him. Everything. I wonder if we could say that about each of us. Because all of a sudden, I remember I told you in the beginning, there's two hearts being displayed. There's another heart there. In verse 10, then Judas Iscariot, one of the 12, went to the chief priests to betray Jesus to them. They were delighted to hear this and promised to give him money. So he watched for an opportunity to hand them over. So here in the room, you have Judas seeing all this happening, and I guarantee you, super critical, and he goes in the journey to, be, to start the journey and process of betraying Jesus, pretty much for money. And Judas, of course, was one of his followers. He was going to church, you could say. But the love of money will take you down in paths you never thought you would do. 
I guarantee you, you would have asked Judas at a certain point beforehand, do you think you would ever betray Jesus for just 30 silver coins? And Judas would have said no. He never thought the journey was going to take him down that path. The love of money could take you down paths that you would never thought you would ever be on. But then all of a sudden here you have a heart of generosity versus a selfish heart. Now, for me, like I'm curious, what would you have done if you were that woman there today? Like let's say Jesus same type of scenario, Jesus there, you have the opportunity to worship him. You have an alabaster jar filled with over a year's worth of salary. How would you worship Jesus? For some of us, we would leave the jar, yo voy a dejar esto aquí mismo, no quiero que nadie me lo toque, and you'll go over, you, you'll leave it right there, you don't want no one to touch it, you'll put some Bethel music on, you'll put some worship music, you know, you put Rita Springer, whoever you want, but you leave what's valuable behind and you'll just worship Jesus. You might dance, you might shout, you might say even a hallelujah, you might say praise God, you might put on a beautiful show. But truly, your heart is not there because you're not pouring out everything that you are upon Jesus. But for some of us, be like, you know what, Carlos, that wouldn't be me. For some of us, we might bring this over, and you won't break the jar. You open it slightly. You know, you open it a little bit, probably a little sprinkle to Jesus. I'm going to sprinkle Jesus. You know what I mean? Like, like, just pour a little bit of perfume. It's like, and for some of us, this is reality. We're willing just to give just a little bit to Jesus, and we think it's to worship, but in reality it's just to justify within ourselves that we're doing something. It's really just to justify our own minds that we're, we must be okay, right, Jesus? Everything is cool. I gave you something. But how many of us would do like the woman did that literally grabbed everything that she owned and broke it? And I love the fact that she broke it. Because once you break the jar, there's no coming back from it. Everything is dripping over. Everything is pouring out. You know what I mean? Like, it's not like she just opened it a little and poured it out. She, let me tell you, you could almost probably think that in her mind, she's like, I don't want to even be tempted of not giving my all and just breaking the jar. You know what I mean? It's like just, I want to make sure that I get to pour everything over to Jesus. So who are you? Who are me? Who am I in this journey? In your relationship with God right now, this moment, are you pouring out your time, your talents, your treasures, every aspect of your life so that Jesus can have everything? Or are we selective on what we give Jesus? Because so many times we pick and choose thinking it's like, this is okay, but let me remind you, Jesus is Lord and he, if he's sitting on the throne of your heart, he deserves it all. So many times we compromise. So many times we justify. So many times we come up with excuses on why we should keep certain things or do certain things with our time or talents. When who are we doing this 
for anyway. We're not doing this for anyone else. We're doing this for Jesus. We're doing this for Jesus. Now, one of the things, too, is that so many times, like even in our own lives, we need to realize that generosity is a reflection of God's heart, how I mentioned before. But there's benefits to generosity. I'm going to tell you those benefits real quick. The first benefit is this. Giving makes me more like God. Has there been anyone that's given you more than God? Where would you be today if it wasn't for the things that God has given you? And of course, salvation is the main thing. But where would we be without our giving God? And then here, when we give, we become more like God. Another um, benefit of generosity, number two, it should be behind you too. Giving draws me close to God. A key verse, Matthew 6, 21, it says, For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. So if your treasure is Jesus, there your heart will be also. If your treasure is the love of money, then there your heart will be also. If your treasure is chasing your career, then your heart will be there also. If your treasure is just your spouse, then there your heart will be also. If your treasure is your kids, there your heart will be also. But obviously, there's nothing wrong with loving our kids and loving our spouse, and we're supposed to. But our heart needs to be surrendered in God's hands first and solely to him. And then through him, we can love everything else. So there we clearly see this. And I wonder where your heart is today. Number three, giving is victory over materialism. So many times we think that we could purchase happiness. Oh, if I buy that thing, I'll be happy. Yeah, right. <laughs> you really think so? How many times for Christmas, like we might see it with kids, but it's the same thing with adults. You want something so bad, you're excited about it first day. First week, you know, first month maybe. But then all of a sudden, the happiness, the fake temporary happiness that that gave you just faded away. I mean, I clearly see it with my nephew sometimes. For Christmas, I'll give him a gift. I'm super excited about them opening, like, oh, so cool. Okay, over here. Let me play with this. I'm like, yo, what's up with that? I just bought that for you. You know what I mean? Like, all of a sudden, it's, but we do the very same thing thinking that buying things will all of a sudden give us happiness. But number three, give, um, giving is victory over material things. When you give, you get that victory. Number four, given, uh, giving strengthens my faith. I know um, w um, last week Pastor Debbie mentioned Malachi chapter 3, verse 10. It says this, "'Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse, "'that there may be food in my house,' Test me in this, says the Lord Almighty, and see I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that there will, be not, not, there will not be room enough to store it. Now here, for us to realize, there's over 3,000 promises in the Bible. But this is the only promise that God says, test me in this. 
And it makes you wonder, out of all the promises, why would God say, test me in this one? It's because this is one of the hardest ones for us to do. This is one of the hardest ones for us to trust God in because of the love of money causing war within our hearts, demanding worship. So out of the 3,000 promises, God selects this one to challenge you. Be like, you look, test me in this. Trust me in this. And right there I said, giving strengthens my faith because you're trusting God as the source of your supply. Number five, giving is an investment for eternity. In Matthew 6, verse 19 to 20, says this, do not, do not store up your treasures on earth where moths and vermin destroy and where thieves break in and steal, but store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moths and vermin do not destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. So here, for us, we need to realize that we need to store our treasures in heaven. And the way we store our treasures in heaven is by pouring out our entire life to God. Our entire life. Not being selective, not just giving God a little bit, but when you give him everything and you honor and obey him, you start building treasures in heaven. Let me tell you, whatever you're building here on earth, I have news for you. When this corazoncito stops ticking, when your heart stops ticking, you're not going to take none of those things with you at all. And we would rather have treasures in heaven than here on this earth. I want to even tell you this. It's going to be behind you. It's another um, statement I wrote is this. The world measures your success by how much time, talents, and treasures you have. That's the way the world measures your success in life. And you might be wondering, time, when someone lives a long life, oh, you know, they live like 80 years. You know, time is valuable. You know, and when someone lives a short life, we feel like they missed out or they, they were shortened with something that's valuable. So here, they, um, the world measures your success by how much time, how much talents you have. The more talent you have, the more successful we feel the person is. And at the same time, the more treasures they have, the more successful you think that they are. But there's a difference. Heaven measures your success by how much glory you give to God. How much glory you give to God with the time talents and treasures you have that's how heaven measures your success everyone here has a different amount of time everyone here has a different amount of treasures everyone here has a different amount of talents but how what are you doing with it whatever you have if you're doing it to honor and give glory to god wherever you are that's how heaven is measuring your success but I'm going to even test it right now because my question to you now is, how do you measure your success? I told you how the world measures it. I told you how heaven measures it. How do you measure your success? And I tell you this, if you find yourself always comparing yourself to other people, you're measuring your success just the way the world does. If you find yourself comparing the treasures that someone has compared to you, 
the world's definition of success is the same as yours. If you're measuring yourself by the length of years that you live compared to other people, you know, all of a sudden, it's like you feel as though the longer you live, the more valuable it is. It's looking at it through the world's eyes. Let me tell you, there's people that have lived short lives and brought more glory to God and more impact for his kingdom than someone that probably lived up to over 100. So where are you? Do you compare yourself to people all the time? Because if you find yourself comparing yourself to people, you're missing the mark on what success really is. Or are you always committing your heart more and more to pour everything out to Jesus? If you are, then you're measuring your success the way heaven does because heaven just wants our heart more and more in every single moment of time. You know, just want to let you know I'm extremely grateful for so many people in this church, for all of you, but also for so many of you that are volunteers, so many of you that are leaders in our church. Because here in our church, there's so many people that have poured out so much. So many people have poured out their talents, fixing this building, doing different things that are needed here in this church, using their talents in ministries. There's so many people that have given for years, faithfully, faithfully giving to advance God's kingdom and to glorify him. And so many people that have dedicated their time coming here and just serving in any way that they can. And I got to let you know, and especially if you, if you might be here new to our church, all of this is to love God, make disciples, and change the world. And here, that's exactly what we're doing, and I want to let you know this. Here we have over 25 ministries. I'm not going to mention all of them. We have men, women, we have youth, we have young adults. We have so many different programs for the kids. We have a senior citizen ministry. We have a care team that go out, goes out to visit those that are homebound and sick. We also have shepherds feeding the needy that they go out once a month to the community, finding people in need to bless them with food. We have restoring dignity that every Friday these doors are open, that whoever needs to come and take showers, some of you might not know, but we have showers here in the back. And then at the same time, they get food, they get haircuts, and the women gets manicured as well. Some of us might not even know these things. We have a food pantry that's open every Friday that we bless so many families in the community that need food. Even many of you know we did a collection for TSA. TSA sent a letter, the director of TSA from Newark Airport, thanking Christ Fellowship Church for their generosity in blessing them in a time of need. We do tons of outreach events. We have the Holistic Living Project as well, where we help those that are, are having issue with immigration in our community. We have a Spanish ministry. We also support missionaries where we're starting churches in other areas of the world. In addition to that, we have uh, missionaries that they translate the Bible to tribal language that they, they've never have had their own Bible in their own translation. And you're doing that because of your sacrifices and your de dedication. 
We're impacting the world. Many of you know last, last year we went to Puerto Rico. About 23 of us went there, and we impacted the island, and we know even up to this day that we, they're feeling the chain reaction of our investment into the community. And I got to tell you, like there's no time to go over everything. But our church is completely dedicated to pour out everything because this, this teaching is not just about us as individuals, but this is us as a church corporately. I asked you what pretty much your legacy will be. And I'm going to ask you again, what will your legacy be? Are you going to be known as someone that pours it all out to God? Everything breaks it, lays it on the table. In the middle of your brokenness, no matter what's happening in your life, you know it's better to give Jesus everything than keep anything in your life and not have Jesus at the center. Pour out everything. But I want to let you know, too, that what is the legacy of Christ fellowship going to be as well? What will Elizabeth, and many of you know, we're dedicated to impact the city of Elizabeth and the surrounding towns, Union County. We want to transform everything around us for the glory of God. What will our legacy be? Here, Newark Airport, the director thanking us for our generosity. Will everyone look from the outside and see us as a church that poured everything out? Poured everything out. Didn't hold anything back. Pretty much they gave their time, their talents, their treasures, wanting to see God being glorified more and more. For them to look and know that we're dedicated to love God, make disciples, and change the world. Because in the end of the day, it doesn't matter what degrees we end up getting. It doesn't matter how much money you have in the bank account. It doesn't matter the apartment or the house you get to walk in. It doesn't matter anything else that you might have in your life. But let me tell you, how beautiful would it be when you step into heaven and all of a sudden you see treasures there. From the moments that you poured it all out, not holding back. Not holding back, but giving God everything. And I want to let you know that here, the legacy of Christ Fellowship is going to be that. For us to be known, to be pouring out everything to worship God. And for us here in this building, this building is one of the treasures that God has given us. It's one of the treasures. We're in the middle of the city of Elizabeth. Some of you don't even know, but the, we have another auditorium that many of us have probably not even stepped into that fits 400 people in the front of this theater. We have classrooms upstairs. We actually have a, a small library here too. We have our offices downstairs. This building is a big blessing to us. But for us, in my heart, we're not fulfilling to it to the fullest potential. There's more to be done here through this building to glorify God. And I'm going to show you real quick even areas that you didn't even know probably existed that need attention. I'm going to show you the first picture. This one doesn't need attention. That's a dance room we have. It's right up the stairs here. We have a dance room. So, yeah. Uh, Many of us might have not even realized that. 
We have a dance room right upstairs. But I'm going to show you two other rooms that are undeveloped. The next room, that's another room. We're using it pretty much for storage to keep certain things. Now the next room, higher up, you see it? There. But imagine the possibilities of what could this be. Honestly, for me, I would love for it to be like a recording studio that we could record things to be able to push out into the community to impact generations to come. That we could record music, that we could do videos, that we could dedicate it so we could do different things that could impact people even through social media. I'm going to show you another room. This one you definitely, oh, well, that's a bathroom. But you see, <laughs> there's a little note there that says, it's not usable because it's not done. So none of you better try to use that bathroom. <laughs> All right. So up there, this is the last um, picture there. I'm going to show you that picture. You've never seen this room. You see, that's Angie. The ceilings there are about 30 feet high, 30 feet high, and it's very wide, undeveloped area here in the building. Imagine if one day Christ Fellowship could have a gym in the building. A gym to impact our kids that they could come and they could play sports here, that they don't have to worry about going other places, but they could come to a safe place. Imagine it being a room that we could use for other things as well. You know, it's like, I just want you to imagine the possibilities. But for that to happen... Honestly, we all need to pour out our hearts, pour out everything to God. And today I want to officially announce that we're going to start pretty much a legacy fund, something separate, above and beyond our tithes to God, a legacy fund where we would be able to give towards being able to do repairs in the building. God knows there's repairs that have to be done but also enhance the building and make decisions to make this building even more appealing and comfortable for people to be able to come and maximize the space for greater impact for his kingdom. So here, next week, we'll give you more details on that. But I just want to challenge you that we would be known not only as an individual, as someone that poured out everything to God, but that we would be known as a church that we poured out everything to God. Because past our life, when we're with God in heaven, it's like the generations to come would be continuously impacted by what we did here on this earth. So right now, if everyone could bow their heads, and I just want to call you forward here at the altar. We're going to end this service with one more worship song. And this song is about pouring out our hearts. Pretty much part of the song, it says this, It is your breath in our lungs, so we pour out our praise. And what I love is to you only, not to the love of money, not to anything else, but our worship is only to God. So if you're here today, and through this message, you want to come before God with your alabaster jar, not worrying about what anyone else is going to say next to you or around you, not worrying about the critics of what they might say to you either. 
You just know you want to pour everything out to God. You're coming before God and say, God, I'm not going to hold back. I'm not just going to give you a little bit of sprinkles. I'm going to give you everything, my entire heart, my treasures, my talents, my time. Life is too short to play games and following God. Our life needs to be completely dedicated to him. And if you, just like this woman, wants to pour out your heart to him, and you symbolically coming here before, and there's a cross here as well, you're just pouring out your life to God. I'm going to ask you to come forward and worship with, uh, God with us with this last song. Father God, as we're here worshiping you, Lord God, we just raise our hands and surrender, Lord God. We pour out our entire life to you right now, Lord God. Everything belongs to you, God. God, we're committed, Lord God, to give you glory in everything, every aspect of our life, God. God, that we wouldn't look at our lives the way the world sees it, just comparing ourselves to one another. God, that we would look at our life with what we have, what you've given us, and asking ourselves, are we giving you glory with what we've given, um, what, with what you've given us, God? God, we want your name to be great here in the city of Elizabeth and beyond. We surrender everything into your hands. And God, may the legacy of our life would be that we've poured it all out for you, God. And may the legacy of Christ's fellowship be known that they poured it all out to love God, make disciples, and change the world. In Jesus' name we pray. And everyone said, amen. God bless you.